We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. We're here today. It's the Notre Dame Recruiting Hour. These faces right here might look a little bit different than what you're used to on Monday. That's definitely not Sean Davis. I am definitely not Ryan Roberts. And we are here today to to fill in. Ryan's on vacation. Sean is going to fill in for us later in the week on the mailbag. So I'm very, very much looking forward to that. Me and Sean Davis doing a mailbag, a show that typically runs three hours anyway, is going to be epic. So that is going to be a long mailbag. But Brian Smith is on with me today. My man, we are going to talk some recruiting, Brian. And, you know, there's been a lot of discussion lately about whether or not Marcus Freeman has improved recruiting at Notre Dame or if he's recruiting just like Brian Kelly has. I pretty much blew that notion out of the water last week. When you look at the blue chip index, the number of four to five stars that Notre Dame is bringing in, that's just the the external way of evaluating myself personally, breaking down the film. There's certainly been an upgrade in recruiting. However, there's a difference between upgrading and being where you need to be. And we're still focusing, obviously, Notre Dame still has work to do to get to that level. And so today, what we're going to discuss, Brian, is we're going to dive into the 2024 class. We're going to focus on the offense today. We'll talk defense next week and look at who they have and who's left on the board and what the remaining needs are in regard to Notre Dame really putting together a second straight, in my opinion, second straight. I I would think you could even argue third straight if you just look at the uh, both definitions of gap closing uh, type of class. I think 2023 class, no question, was a gap closing class. 22 had some spots where it was and some spots where they had misses. It's hard for me to say it's definitively a gap-closing class when you strike out at safety, you know, when you only signed one receiver, as good as he may be. So, what, what you know, you didn't have, land an elite quarterback. 23, definitely a gap-closing class. And 24, they're trying to do the same thing. It's certainly off to a great start. And the start that they're off to right now is on – the great start they're off to is primarily because of the offensive staff. So, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to dive into what's left on the board – for Notre Dame to kind of have that. Now, today's focus, Brian, is not going to be so much on the individual gap-closing players. That That's a time and a place for that conversation. But we're going to look at it more as units because I think there's there's different ways to look at a gap-closers, Brian. You've seen this in college football where 
a team may have a great unit, even though not one individual player from that unit may be great. You look at Michigan's offensive line, for example, you've used them as an example in recent years where there may not be a individual great player. There's no Joe Alt at Michigan. I don't even know if there's a Blake Fisher type of town in, at Michigan. I don't think that there is actually. But as a unit, they play great together. We'll look at that. Uh, look at it from that standpoint. And then, of course, mention which players are. But Brian, when 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 you look at it, 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 the big thing is big picture. I think especially offensively, Notre. It's been a long time since Notre Dame has been. I think really since Charlie Weiss was here, that Notre Dame's been able to stack impact offensive classes in a row, and I think that's the opportunity they have. You look at last year's class: Kenny Minchie, top hundred player in my opinion, a very talented quarterback in a loaded quarterback year. Jeremiah Love is a guy that Notre Dame just doesn't get that kind of athlete very often. You and I have talked about that. The receiver class was outstanding. You got one of the best tight ends in a year that wasn't really loaded with a bunch of great tight ends after Deuce Robinson. Offensive line class, gap closing class. So you look at it as a whole, Notre Dame hit all their marks. Quarterback that can that can be big time. Elite playmakers. Big guys, all of it, depth, numbers. They hit up. They had absolutely a gap-closing class. They need to be able to stack a second straight offensive class together, Brian, because we can talk about defense, and defense is important, and you got to be able to make stops and all that. But in today's era of college football, in last year, the two losing teams in the college football playoff semifinals scored 45 and 41 points and lost. you got to be able to score, and you need dudes to be able to do it. And that's what this 24 class is working on. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave AGI a try because I wanted better gut health, sustained energy, immune support system, but I hate taking pills. And I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, which is helping me kick my sugar addiction. In the morning before I get to work, I like getting something healthy in my body. And with AG1, I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. It's very important for me to get my day started off with something healthy. But with my schedule, it's hard to prepare healthy meals. AG1 is a very quick way to pack my body with all that I need to jumpstart my day in a very healthy way. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water and drink it first thing every morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. It's pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality source ingredients. Win-win. 
If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash irish. That's athleticgreens.com slash irish. Check it out. It's really so different than what it was even six, seven years ago when it started. Um, you can argue whatever game you want, but I think the most important game in the recent college football history was the 16 title game because Clemson wasn't better than Alabama, but Clemson had by far the best player on the field. And you and I have had this conversation a hundred times. If you can't throw the ball and they know you're throwing it and still make plays, you're done. You're not beating Alabama and Georgia. Those, I know people talk about there's three, four teams in college football. There's two right now. Ohio right. State's still good. Clemson's still good, but they're not on Alabama and Georgia's level. Those are the two. That's Clemson the only was, two. Yeah, but they're not now. Why? What what's the, what's, but what's the big difference, Brian? What's different about Clemson now compared to what it was in 16 and 18? Quarterback, playmakers are not the same. On the perimeter are not did, the same. You and I laughed about how Clemson has struggled. Why? We don't know. To sign those little shifty receivers, they always had them. 20 oh years. Oh, gosh, yes. And yes. then they just suddenly didn't have them. It's, mm. it's their fault. Because yes. there's plenty of – I live down here. Well, they started there's going plenty. after the big six fours and those big guys. you got to have some balance. Right. <laughs> they, and they didn't recruit to their offense. I mean, that's the other thing, too, is they didn't recruit to fit their offense. I think they're trending back up. I really liked their 2022 receiver class. I like the Williams kid that played last year. I'm I'm a big uh, Adam Randall fan. I think he's a raw kid, but I think he's got a ton of talent. Sure. They're getting there, but the quarterback position is the big one. And so when you look at Notre Dame, Brian, to your point, what's the 2024 class built around? Who are the two best prospects in the class right now? It's a stud quarterback and a yeah. stud receiver. And that's the that's the thing is if that's where you've got that's where you have to have your foundation. Yes, you've got to recruit offensive linemen and tight ends. We're going to talk about that. But to take that next step, Notre Dame has had great offensive lines and great tight ends, and they still go to the postseason and get their butts whooped, right? Because they can't consistently keep up either at quarterback and receiver, or in the case of 2018, quarterback. I think receiver they were good in 2018, but at quarterback they weren't there. When you start a class off with CJ Carr. And then with Cam Williams doing what he did as a junior, I think that's the place where you you, you say, okay, it, that's that's moving the needle. That duo to start this class off is moving the needle. Where now Notre Dame has one of the best quarterback receiver duos in in the twenty four class, and now it's about building on it. It's it's going to be interesting to see what Cam can do. I don't think a lot of people realize how good he is. <laughs> he, he plays in Chicago. Correct. Nobody talks about Chicago football anymore. I don't either. But he could play down here where I live and be a dominant player too. He's just he's in Chicago. Right. Well, I think the thing too is Brian is this is what's really helpful for Notre Dame in this class and we're going to we're going to kind of watch these two kids as we break them down. We're going to talk about CJ Carr, we're going to talk about Cam Williams. And, and as we break, break them down, Brian, I think the thing that has really benefited Notre Dame in the last couple of years is the fact that the North is starting to produce more impact athletes and Notre Dame is tapping into it. And you, you and I are talking before the show about, you know, Rocket Ismail and we're we're reminiscing about the 88 team and all that. And you got to remember the the big playmakers, not not a quarterback, but the big playmakers on that team were not Southern kids that Notre Dame convinced to come up north. Rocket Ismail's from Pennsylvania. Ricky Waters from, from was from Pennsylvania. Uh, Anthony Johnson was from South Bend. 
now they got their Derek Browns and Tony Rice from the South. You always got to go all over the place, but the North just hasn't produced those kind of athletes as much when they have, like the Nick Singletons, Notre Dame hasn't gotten them. I mean, think about who Notre Dame's best playmakers have been in the last, who's Notre Dame's most explosive playmakers have been in recent years. Will Fuller was from Pennsylvania. Josh Adams was from Pennsylvania. You know, those kind of guys, Tyler Eifert from Indiana, Those that's where they're getting them from. And I think when you look at, you know, the, the, the clips of C.J. Carr here, you know, having a kid that's that to me is an elite quarterback with a great arm, great mind, athletic. He's a playmaker, as you see in these highlights. You you can get that kid from two hours away. It doesn't happen often. And then the fact that they were able to take advantage of that, I mean, you it's a great way to start because it's a lot easier to recruit big time athletes, Ryan, when they know who's going to throw them the football. And I don't care what some of these recruiting services say, this is a five star quarterback. There's and if he was committed to Ohio State, he'd be a five star by everybody. I'm just gonna flat out say it. Or if even more bright, if he was uncommitted, he'd be a five star according to everybody. That's, I want to do that show someday. Yes, we will. When, that is going to be definitely a CFB Nation show that we're going to do at some point in time, and we'll have a lot more to talk about that because Brian, you're going to have a show. Uh, we're going to start. We're going to launch yeah. here soon on CFB Nation, talking about Florida and Georgia recruiting. So. I mean, but that's the thing, though, Brian, is what was impressive about last year's class is that they were able to put that class together without a big-time quarterback for most of the year. Kenny Minchie doesn't commit till November. And and this year they're they're doing it with the big-time quarterback. I mean, that throw right there is just ridiculous. Uh, that you can make the made. argument that he's the most accurate quarterback in the class. He's at least in the conversation. Yes. Yeah, I would. I think he's in that conversation. I think he's got one of the best football minds in the class. But I, I think the other part too is where I think people are sleeping on CJ is the physical tools. I think he gets some credit. Oh, he's really smart. His grandpa was a coach or whatever, but he's physically gifted as well. And to, and to be able to have a kid like that, it's not only going to benefit you in the twenty four class, Brian. It's going to benefit you in the twenty five class as well. Receivers are going to like seeing that a big time quarterback just signed with you, and the class before was a really good quarterback too, one hundred percent. Well, and the fact that CJ's do like I know Notre Dame fans freaked out because he didn't visit in March, but the fact is, is he was doing things that were going to help them recruit because he was out nationally at these big events, and kids are watching this kid play, Brian, and you've seen him play this summer. He's a stud, and kids see that. Yeah. And they want to play with that guy. I mean, you saw. We'll talk about Jason Robinson a little bit. You know, he he puts a he puts a top group out or you know final three schools. And what's he say? He's talking to CJ Carr on Twitter about, hey, what's the move QB one? These kids see this kid play. They know he's big time. I don't really care what the the recruiting yeah. services say. I'm supposed to see, barring something unforeseen, see CJ next weekend. They're coming yeah. out of Florida, so. Yeah, he, he, he's a big-time player. But the other part of it, too, is, is okay, you know, you, you and I have discussed this. Notre Dame has had better quarterback play than people give him credit for in recent years. They just didn't develop it. Not better, not better quarterback play, better quarterback talent. And you look at Everett Golson and Malik Zaire and Deshaun Kaiser and Brandon Wimbush and Phil Dracovic. You just didn't take advantage of it. So they, they've had this before. I, I feel better about the ability to develop quarterbacks now than I did before. Uh, especially with the change at head coach. The big thing for me, though, is to be able to go out and land a top 50 caliber recruit at receiver from your backyard is just not something that Ugh. Notre Dame has been able to do very much. And and credit to this staff, a, a, a frustration for you and I in the past, Brian, would be Notre Dame would slow play local kids until they found out where they stood where the national kids. Notre Dame got on C.J. Williams before he blew up. 
They didn't wait on him. They didn't slow play him. They had him at camp last year. They pushed for him. They got his commitment. So now when he blows up, he's already a Notre Dame commit, and he's already got his uh, the five-star QB in, in, in the class. Being able to get a kid like this from, from Chicago is rare, although they're going to have another one in, 20, in 2025. It's rare, but it's so important for Notre Dame, and this is why you cannot miss out on studs from the era, from the Chicago area. When, the, when there are studs in Chicago, you need to land them, and there's no better offensive recruit right now in Chicago than, than Cam Williams, who's an absolute stud wide receiver. I'm surprised that more people didn't go after him early. It's still He's in Chicago. It's not hard to get to him. Notre right. Dame's fortunate. They did the right thing. Right. I, I was just – I'm surprised that Alabama and some other schools didn't, you know, they got 5 billion people in the back office. So it's fun. So you start off with that two duo. You have a good all-purpose, all-around running back in Aeneas Williams. You've got a good top 200 caliber tight end in Jack Larson, who, who's a really good pass-catching weapon. You've got one of the um, best northern linemen in the country and peter jones who's a right tackle guard type of player you've got anthony knapp in the class so i think notre dame is off to a very good start on offense brian with you've got two studs in the class you've got uh, upside in the class you've got balance already you've kind of struck at least one in all the positions now the thing is is okay is this going to be a really good class with a couple a couple studs and a, and a bunch of other solid players around it, or is this going to be a truly gap closing class? Cause let's, let's rem- remind people what gap closing means. It's a two, it's a two tier de- definition. Tier one is sort of like a, did it make you better? Because even if you don't land a stud, if you get better, you're closing the gap just by the very definition of it. Then there's the sort of the, the, the second tier, which is the, the one you really want to be in, which is, you've landed a guy that not only is a stud that closes that gap, but it's a guy that you're really taking away from those other type of programs. The guy that is as good as those guys on those other type of programs. And that's the, that's the group is like, okay, can your receiving core compete with them? And so if you have a top five national class, I don't care what the specifics of the individuals may be, you're closing the gap in a big way. Last year's receivers cl- receiver class did not have a guy that I'm discussing as a top five overall receiver in, uh, in last year's class. But as a group, it's one of the five best receiving classes. That's a needle-moving, gap-closing class. So there's the two tiers. And I think right now, obviously, as individuals, C.J. Carr, Cam Williams, without question, are in that second tier, which is the best tier. I should probably reverse it, make that tier one, and then the other type in tier two. Now the question is, is what can you add to it? And I think that's where we dive into next, Brian. And, and and let's begin at wide receiver, because I think this is a very important year for Notre Dame. In 2022, they came up short on numbers. Lost C.J. Williams, lost some Warren Walker. I'm not losing sleep over losing a Warren Walker. I think losing C.J. Williams is a loss. I like C.J. He was a, a, a bottom top 100 guy, which is a good player. Uh Tobias was their number one guy. They kept him, but you only had one guy in a year where you needed numbers. That's why you're going into last season with four scholarship wide receivers to start the season because of injuries. You're able to, but you did get that stud. Then you follow that up with a really good four man class, a really good four man class. But as we mentioned, Brian, you've got to be able to stack them. And it can't just be Cam Williams and a bunch of ass in the class. You've got to get good players to go with him. And that's going to be the key because. 
we know they're going to be good on the offensive line. We know they're going to be good at tight end. And the way that Notre Dame should have always been able to recruit running backs because you don't need elite running backs to have great running back play. There's a bunch of good running backs around the country as we found Notre Dame's been able to find them. Yep. Those positions are going to be good. Can they get dynamic player play at quarterback and can they get dynamic players in the perimeter? And I think that's still a question mark about can they stack it up year after year after year. Chancey Stuckey hit a grand slam home run in his first year. Now we got to find out if he can build that class at Notre Dame. Because last year, let's be honest, he benefited from some previous relationships that he had at Baylor with Jaden Greathouse, with Braylon James, with Caleb Smith. Can you now take that and build on it to where it's you're selling Notre Dame this entire time? I think he can, but that's what we're going to find out. And it's going to start with, in my opinion, a guy that's a very important player who's going to be visiting next weekend is, and we're going to go over the whole board, is is Jason Robinson. And I think that's going to be a big one. He is one of my favorite players to watch film. I've probably watched, and I know it's highlights. I've probably watched him four times. I usually don't watch a ton of film. If a kid's really, really good, you don't need to. And he's running away from guys in Los Angeles. Look, there are certain areas of the country where track matters. And his high school is one of the best track programs in the country, too. That's another another deal. Um, he just makes people look dumb. And if he catches the ball, everybody just stand around and watch. Good luck trying to make an open field, one-on-one, face-to-face tackle. Better you than me. <laughs> so he's just dynamic. I think the thing I like about him too, Brian, is is he's different than a lot of the receivers they have on on campus, and and they got a kid like that last year in Caleb Smith, not the transfer, but the kid from Texas. <laughs> yeah. Caleb Smith is a different kind of athlete than the rest of the receivers in the in the class and on the roster. He's six foot five eleven and a half, six foot, shifty, has good speed. Uh, I think very underrated speed, route runner type, not the big bodied, you know, Jaden Greathouse or the the long, tall burner and Braylon James. I think that Rico, I think, is somewhat that way too, where Rico's more of that that route runner, know how to get open type. Caleb's got some of that, but Caleb's got a little after the catch juice. And Jason Robinson is he, he's built like a slot, but I actually think he's more of an outside receiver. And and you know, for people who like comps, the comp that I think is just there's been a couple receivers whose comps just make too much sense for me recently. Tobias Merriweather to T. Higgins is like just it makes too much sense as a comp. And then the other one for me is is Jason Robinson. His comp to Jahan Dotson from Penn State is just spot on. Jahan Dotson was another guy, 5'10", 150-ish coming out of high school. People say slot, 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 slot. He spent most of his career outside and was a 1,000-yard receiver. I think, what, first, second-round draft pick coming out of the NFL draft. Just because he's small, body type-wise, does not mean he can't play outside. I think he's an outside guy. Now, we'll talk about his game a little bit, but the big thing is getting a kid from Poly would be huge from Notre Dame, and getting a kid with a different type of skill set and a a, a balanced out, because you said it earlier, Brian, right? What's killed Clemson? They went away from that unique – because, like, they'd have – like you talked about the 2016 team. Yes, they had Mike Williams, 6'5", freaky athlete. They had Deion Kane, who was 6'2", 6'3", burner. But who else do they have? Artavis Scott, 5'10 and a half, shifty, route runner type, make plays after the catch. Hunter Renfro. Like they had a really nice balance of body types on that team. The 2016 team was very similar. 
The 2018 team had the two trees outside, and then you got Hunter Renfro in the slot, you know, completely different type of kid. And then you got a running back out of the backfield that can make plays. They had variant skill sets. And I think that's something that Notre Dame needs to, to rely on. Yes, get the trees, get the Samarges, the Stovalls, the Michael Floyds, the Tobiases, the Deion Colseys. Yes, need those. But putting the, the different, the Rico Floreses, the Caleb Smiths, the Jason Robinsons along with that is really important. And, and Jason brings something very unique, but he also comes from an area, Brian, where if you can start getting more of a foothold in there, it's going to, it's going to help you. It really is going to help you. And this kid is a unique, if look, he's listed a five ten. maybe he's five ten. maybe. I doubt it. Uh, yeah, maybe. Don't if he was six feet tall, he's a top hundred national player in my opinion. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Uh, but I can live with that because we've seen evidence of that type of player being able to be dynamic in college. You look at not just Jahan Dotson. We've seen a lot of guys like this. Uh, Penn State's had two kids like this in recent years. KJ Hamler wasn't much wasn't much bigger than him either. You look at Rondell Moore. You look at the kid that Louisville had a couple years ago, whose name right now is uh, Tutu Atwell. Uh, another guy, 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, if you use a kid like this correctly, you you can be successful. And I think that the change in offensive coordinator, this is in no way a knock on Tommy Reese. This is just a statement of fact. The change in offensive coordinator means, Brian, we're going to see more RPOs, more quick game, more screen game. And I think that even more adds to the need for a guy like this who is a great route runner but can also do things after the catch. So – to me, if you can partner Cam Williams, who's a tall, long, vertical, strong, win at the point of attack, get over top type of player with a guy like Jason Robinson, I mean, that's a really ideal one-two punch to have a receiver in this class. So to me, he's he's at the top of my must-get list for the receivers in this class. Would you start Robinson at slot or outside or just throw the book at him? I'd probably start him at X. And then move him. I'd, I'd want the day he gets on campus. I want him to understand you're not lining up at one spot. Just so let's just get used to you knowing what to do now. I'd start him at X and then play him at Z. I'd have him at those two spots. Would be where I'd move him. I mean, he'd have to understand because the other thing too is he's if if you ever spoken to him. And I've talked to Ryan Roberts about this. I've talked to other sources about this. If you ever talk to Jason, you're like this kid's just this kid's just he gets it. He's smart. He just can consume football information. And I think that's another thing that Notre Dame likes about him, too, is this isn't just an athletic kid from Poly. He is that. But this is a kid that fits at Notre Dame, that gets Notre Dame, and his football knowledge is just really outstanding. And I think that's why I think you can he can handle – some kids can't, Brian. Some kids are just really raw, and you say, look, I'm going to play you right here until you figure it out. Jason's the kind of kid I think you bring in, and he's going to have the football acumen to say, hey, we're going to play at these two spots. We're going to move you around. We're going to go in motion. We're going to do all these kind of things. And that's stuff you have to do with a kid who's on the smaller side. You don't just line them up at X and say, okay, let's let's have you win off the snap every single time against a six-foot cornerback. You, you do things to make life tougher for that cornerback. And I think this staff is, is – the pass game we're going to see out of Jared Parker is more built to taking advantage of that a little bit. You know, the players have talked about we got some air raid principles mixed in. He can better take advantage of this type of athlete than Tom Reese could. And, again, that's not better or worse. It's just different. And I think because it's different, it, it only adds to why a kid like this is so important. Him coming from where he does, for people out there that don't know, at one point, and I don't know the numbers now, Polly had produced more players than any other school in the country, not just California, to reach the National Football League. 
that that is a rather impressive statistic. Even to be in that discussion is yeah. an impressive. People that come out of there when they make a splash, whether it's UW, Oregon, USC, or whatever, people pay attention. This will help Notre Dame in the greater Los Angeles and California area. Yeah. So then, Brian, you know, right now it's Cal and Colorado and Notre Dame. He's coming on campus next weekend. We have a story at Irish Breakdown about it that Ryan Roberts did. It's a big, it's a big weekend for him. Last time he was on campus, it was snowy. And I was really, it was the Boston College game, Brian, if you remember that snow. And I was a little nervous about a kid from Poly coming during that. Yeah, but then it. you see pictures of him afterwards, him and his brother having a snowball fight. They're making snow angels. Like they loved it, right? So it's like, whew, okay, pull it, Dodge. Well, now he's going to come on campus. It's supposed to be really nice this weekend. It's, it's. I mean, we had a go- Easter yesterday. It was gorgeous here in South Bend. It was like 60, some low 60s, no wind, just beautiful day. Uh, we had the back door open all day so the girls, our girls could just go in and our dogs could just go in and out and and, and be outside. So uh, beautiful day. It's going to be great weather. And so this is your chance to make a big impression with him, Brian. And absolutely. If you can, if you can knock that one out of the park, you're going to have a great chance to land him. So that's where Notre Dame is with Jason Robinson. And I think he's a big one. So he's a must get. And then after that, Brian, you start getting to an interesting group of players. And there's several guys on the board for Notre Dame right now. And and to me, you've got to get one of these guys. And and, and I don't really – I have my preferences on on who I like more, and, and everyone's going to have those. But the fact is these are all good football players. And if you can get one of these players, I feel really good about it. And it's Micah Gilbert, uh, who's from North Carolina, who just put Notre yeah. Dame in his top seven yesterday. You've got Isaiah Canyon from Georgia. Warner Robbins, same high school as Chancey Stuckey. Really dynamic athlete. Raw receiver because he plays quarterback. He plays a little receiver. He plays corner. Very talented kid. Very raw. And then Bredell Richardson are the three that I say. Of that of that trio, if you can get one of those three, now all of a sudden, and you're able to get Jason Robinson, that's how you stack up classes in back-to-back years, Brian. And they're all different types of kids. I know Bree Dell's a lot smaller than those other two kids, but even a 6'1", 180, Bree Dell Richardson plays like a, or, uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, Bree Dell Richardson plays like a bigger receiver. I mean, his ball skills for a 6'1", 185-pound guy are, are very good. He can be an outside guy. You put him and Cam Williams and Jason Robinson together, you can put those three kids on the field together. Because you could put Bree Dell yeah. in the slot and do some things with him in the slot using his his ability. You can put Jason in the slot. Same thing with Micah Gilbert. Micah Gilbert, to me, is more of a boundary guy, so you'd have Cam Williams to the field because Cam can play both outside spots, in my opinion. But you'd have you have him there. You, you look at uh, um, Isaiah Canyon can be the either outside guy. You give me one of those three guys, Brian, I'm feeling really good about where the receiving core is right now. Really good. If you don't get back-to-back classes, and I know you guys talk about this all the time, that are good at certain spots that – there's no nice way to say it. have more value than others. Like a five-star guard is not the same as a five-star receiver. It's just not. But if you start getting a lot of good players on the perimeter, which is traditionally where Notre Dame has struggled more, uh, Tim Brown has not been around a lot of times. You know what I mean? So if they can do that, they can go into any game and force somebody even as good as Kirby Smart. I think he's as good a DC as there is in college football to do things differently and not just roll them out there. Because the last few times Notre Dame's played those kind of teams, they just haven't had the quarterback play to be multidimensional. They just haven't. And part of that's on the coaching, part of that's on the player, and you know, whatever. But you start getting receivers like Jason Robinson to put in the slot, 
if you want to run your base defense, by all means, go ahead. Heck, Notre Dame could run 22 against that. As long as Robinson or somebody like him is in the game, you're going to have a linebacker or a strong safety on him. You're going to get smoked. So Notre Dame just never has those guys. And I, much like Clemson, again, I don't understand why Clemson went away from that. Notre Dame needs one of those at least every other year that's a slot slash dynamic guy. At least every other year. Yes, agree. They need that variety, and they just haven't been able to put the receiving impact with the quarterback impact together. I think 2018 was one of the best receiving cores in the country. But it it once you got to the postseason, it was somewhat negated because you didn't have the quarterback that could make the throws. You know 100%. I mean? I've said it before. Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tungvaloa, Kyler Murray, Ian Book, right? One of these things does not look like the others. Right, and that was the guy that was lining up under center for Notre Dame. Two years later, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Ian Book, and you know Ian Book, nice, solid player, tough kid, gritty, you know, good leader, but just not a guy that's going to put a team on his shoulders. I mean, because those other teams have those athletes, Brian, and the quarterback. Notre Dame has lacked at times the athletes and the quarterback. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and so that's why it's such a great start. So I, I think you give me those three kids, and I feel really good about where you are. And then if you're able to get them somewhat soon, like by the end of the summer, then you can go out and say, okay, w- we believe we're going to have a great offense this year. And we believe – I'm talking about looking at it from the coach's standpoint. We believe we're going to have a great offense. We believe we're going to score a bunch of points. And if we do, we can do one of two things. We can load up on 25 studs. In that class, Tylen Taylor is another Chicago area kid that Notre Dame absolutely oh. must get in the 25 class. Likes Notre Dame a lot, but he's going to be a national, already is a national recruit. Georgia's already offered him. Ohio State's already offered him. You know, so so it helps with that. But if you start putting those numbers up, and all of a sudden, hey, hey, Ryan Wingo, you want to rethink, you know, kind of kind of what you're looking at, and you start looking at some of those other national receivers, Ryan, and saying, hey, you guys may want to, you guys may want to rethink what you're doing here. But I think the other thing too is Ryan is is what's important about getting a, a guys from this group too is this is this fact, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this to you because I know you've watched a lot more of the national film than I have. There's a couple studs at receiver in this 25 24 class. Jeremiah Smith is a stud. Ryan Wingo's a stud. But outside of that, there's not a lot of studs at receiver in this class. There's just a lot of really good players. And I think for Notre Dame, if you can load up on just three of those really good players, I think another stud is Cam Williams, who Notre Dame already has. You're a top 50 kid, you're a stud. It's not like this a year where there's just a bunch of top 50 receivers. At least shouldn't be top 50 receivers. So it's not so much about landing top recruits other than Cam Cam Williams. It's more about you just got to get of that group of really good players, you've got to get a couple of them. And that's what Jason Robinson and those other guys are. To varying degrees. So I think that if you can load up on that kind of class in a year that's not necessarily loaded at the top with receivers, I think that only adds to the, the impact of getting that type of three-man receiver class, in my view. What what say you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Smith? Jeremiah Smith's the best player in the country. I've said that numerous times. I've seen him a bunch of times. He was talking about regardless of position. Yeah. Right? I, okay. And I when I say that, I say it not just because of his physical skills. I've been around him God knows how many times. The way he carries himself academically, the way he speaks to the media, the way he even warms up, says National Football League. Everything he does is for one objective, and that's to go as high in the draft as he possibly can. End of negotiation. Not a lot of kids have his maturity. 
throw him away. And there's still a lot of other good ones. McClellan, the, the kid from St. Louis, I like a lot. There's some other kids, Texas kids and stuff. But yeah, the, the, Jeremiah to me is like on his own stratosphere. Um, there's a few Wingo's kind of up there, but he's a little more raw. Right. This is this. There's a lot of speed guys that need some development. Similar right. to a certain guy that came to Notre Dame last year. Right. And th- th- there's nothing wrong with those. Is usually as a sophomore they figure it out. Uh, spring ball and all that kind of helps. But to your point, if Notre Dame can get just three, yeah, do yeah. what you have to have with Cam. I I assume they're going to get. The young man from Polly. Well, they, they have a season. shot. We're going to find out better next weekend. They have yeah. a shot. I mean, I, I think. No I offense, think but a, if they lose yeah. him to Cal or Colorado, that's a problem. Uh, agree. I'm, I'm not. Agree. I'm just calling it like agree. it is. Agree. But then you, if they do get him, let's say by May 1st or whatever, you've got the entire summer to get one freaking guy. Right. That's a good player. Right. I can't really see how that wouldn't work out because. Stucky has proven he likes to recruit, yes. and he's pretty darn good at of the yes. kids from his area and Warren Rock. If you said give me that kid Robinson right now, I sign right on up. Here's sign a kid I want to talk about because this is something I like about Chancey Stucky in the offensive staff. I don't care about recruiting rankings, and, and a perfect example is the Isaiah Canyon kid from Georgia. Oh, like he's a consensus three star, I believe. I'm looking it up now. I believe he's a consensus three star. Yep. But he, they don't care because they they look at the kid and they say, but he has what we're looking for. He has the talent we want. He has the talent we're looking for, and we think he can be really good. So, I, you know, rankings be darned. And so there's some higher-ranked kids that like Notre Dame that Notre Dame has kind of backed off of because they like some of these other guys better. They like Micah Gilbert more than you'd think based on his ranking. He's a top 250 kind of guy. A couple services don't even have him that high, but Notre Dame looks at him and says, no, this is a good football player. Isaiah Canyon's another example. The only two services that have him ranked right now are on three and 24-7 sports. They have him ranked as the number 50 and 42 players in the state of Georgia. I can answer why that is in a second. Right. But but Chancey sees this kid and is like, I don't care what those rankings are. This is a dude who's measured in this summer at 6'3", 198 pounds and ran a four five one laser time. And I think that's the other thing too, Brian, is, is for Notre Dame to, to get the studs or to, to get the – I shouldn't say get the studs – to get the talent at the skill positions that they're going to need, the reality is – and Notre Dame fans have to, have to embrace this fact, unless it's a kid like a, a Cam Williams who's from your backyard or Will Fuller who's from the north – to get those type of kids a corner and receiver, you're going to have to be great evaluators. And that's exactly what they were with Benjamin Morrison, who was not a top 300 guy, according to anyone except for Irish Breakdown. That's the only people that said he was a top 100 recruit. You're going to have to get those guys. And they're not going to be sexy. They're not going to make the fans who obsess over recruiting rankings happy, nope. if we're being honest. But the fact is, is these are the kind of kids that Notre Dame is going to have to find. Not not the whole class, because, again, they've got Cam Williams, who's a top 50 recruit. They're going to have to find some kids like this, like Jason Robinson, who I think Robinson, who I think is very underrated nationally. The Benjamin Morrisons, the Leonard Moores, you know, who's another guy that I think is a is a top 150 caliber recruit that's nowhere close to being ranked properly. 
they're going to have to find those guys the skill positions. And that's what I like about Chancey Stuckey so far is he's willing to go after those guys and he doesn't really care what the recruiting rankings say. I think that's important. And Chad Bowden's the same way. They just don't care about that stuff. And you need to, you need to, the film's got to determine what you're looking at, not offer lists or whatever else. You have to have conviction in your ability to evaluate film. Which, Brian, another example, Jadarian Price. You and I both said when we saw that kid, I saw the film, you saw him in person, that's the top 100 recruit. I don't care what anybody says. And what does he do when he shows up at Notre Dame last spring? He's the best running back they have on the roster. Better than Audrey Estimay, better than Logan Diggs, better than Chris Tyree. You know? I watched him absolutely destroy a Dallas team for 299 yards rushing, and it doesn't count the 100-plus yards receiving that he had. And I'm like, I don't know what you all are doing with these rankings, but these eyes don't lie. <laughs> he was making guys miss with sheer speed when they had the angle. And it was, it was just comical. Yeah. It was just comical. So yeah, that was a terrible ranking. Um, a little note on our guy from Warner Robins that we're watching here. He plays at one of the best programs, not only in the state of Georgia, but in Dixie. Mm-hmm. That coaching staff, the way the community rallies around it, everything they do is like a college program. I've witnessed it from five feet away, watched them warm up every little drill and all that. They are a roadshow. Wherever they go, that place will sell out. Blah, blah. It's a big deal. For you to be behind center at Warner Robins and to play multiple spots, people outside you know, this area may not understand it, but I can tell you that's a very big honor. They believe in him because I, when they lose a game, it's like national news like yeah. from a local perspective. They just don't get beat. So it, it's important to note that he is the face of their program. So that means a lot to me. And he plays quarterback, receiver, and DB. He's got some impressive DB film on here, too, as you're about to see right here, speak of the devil. I I can see him playing free safety in a heartbeat. Yeah. 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 So guy like that is definitely someone to keep an eye on. We talked about Breedell Richardson, Ryan. He's another one that I like a lot. Now, Breedell plays the social media game very well. And And I actually rather enjoy how he does it. I mean, he's very good at brand building. But he does have legitimate interest in Notre Dame. That's the thing. People say, well, he's not really interested. He's just using Notre Dame fans to build up his brand. Well, he is using Notre Dame fans as well as every other fan base to build up his brand. Just smart. Kudos to the kid. But, Brian, you've had a, you, you've had a chance to talk to Bredell. You've seen him in person. You know where he's from. His interest in Notre Dame is legit at this point. In time. Will they get him? I don't know. But his interest in yes. Notre Dame is legit. I, I is somebody I text with like I would text with you. Uh, he's right down the road from where I I've lived and I know that program. Well, they're Notre Dame's recruiting three or four kids from that school, yada, yada. It's a great program. And Bredell is not your typical Florida kid. Uh, very astute. He understands big picture. He wants a good degree, but he also wants to be coached up. And, and he's, as they say, looking for the perfect fit. He doesn't care if he goes close, if he goes far. He doesn't care about the weather. doesn't care about any of that. It's just comfort and fit. So where he ends up, like I've had this, he has no freaking right. idea. That that I if a kid, if they're gonna finish their receiver class this summer, I would bet that Bredell would not be the guy because I don't know if he'll be ready to decide in June. He may, but like right now, he's five, six schools. He, he's not right. sure. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, and this is some sophomore film of Breedell. And as I said, he's listed as 6'1", 180, but he plays a much bigger than that, in my opinion. But I, I think the thing, too, Brian, is, is this staff right now is targeting three receivers. But I think because you got four last year, because you have Cam, if you're able to get one other guy this summer, 
um, you can you don't have to rush. You don't have to say, boy, we gotta we gotta we gotta panic and take a third guy just because. And, and I also think there's a situation where if the right players want to come, I think they would go to four. And, oh yeah, and, and like if Ryan Wingo wants well. to come right at the end, and he might be a national signing day kid. Sure, why not? Right. I mean, it's there are just certain guys that when you make out your board and you have okay X number allotment for this spot, it's like, eh, yeah. you know, do, do you think Lou Holtz wasn't going to take Ragib Ismail's call? Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's just, I, I mean, I've heard the stories about Paterno ranting and raving about him picking Notre Dame and. and Rockets driveway or whatever, but mm-hmm. it's there's certain guys you just go to bat for, and you kind of figure it out later. So that's that's true. so right now. I think the like I said, the, the the group is three. I think they have a really good, healthy number of receivers on the board right now. Ryan, I think that's a smart strategy. You don't say, okay, these are the two we want, uh, so we're going to recruit them only, or or we need two more, so we're going to recruit three. I mean, there's. There's five, six guys on the board for two spots, and then there's some other receivers that they're either keeping an eye on or that are unlikely guys to go right now that they're still saying, hey, maybe a good season could help move the needle a little bit. Because I think right now, I mean, it's it's impressive that they've been able to get the receivers they've gotten when you consider what their pass game looked like last year. That's going to change this year a lot, in my opinion, when when you look at the perception of what this offense is like when when you have Sam Hartman at quarterback. And that was going to, no matter who the OC was, that the offense is going to look a lot different this year. I mean, if, if you say whatever you want about Tom Reese, but the guy had a 3,000-yard quarterback in Jack Cohn the year before, and I love Jack, big Jack Cohn fan. But Jack's not the passer that Sam Hartman is. Just He's not. No, and, he's not as so, accurate. He's right. And he doesn't throw the deep ball as well. Sam Hartman's oh, arguably the oh, best oh. deep ball thrower in co- and coming back in college football. So that's going to change some things. I think it's smart, too, for Notre Dame not to panic at, at that position as well because of that fact right there is we're, we're, when our offense, when people see our offense, it's going to help us as well in 24 and 25. But I really like the board where they're at. I, like I said, if, if, they, if they get two guys from the board we talked about, right, Breedell Richardson, who we're looking at now, Jason, uh, two two guys from Jason Robinson, Breedell Richardson, Isaiah Canyon, Micah Gilbert. You give me two guys from that group. There's a couple other receivers on the board that that they're looking at. Then I'm gonna feel I'm gonna feel good about where Notre Dame is when it comes to recruiting the wide receiver position for a second year. That that give me two of that those guys, and that is a gap closing receiver hall when you put them with Cam Williams. Uh, one final note to put a bow on the wide receiver. To your point, this needs to be, barring something unusual with the number of scholarships in a year, the norm. What you just said is a possibility needs to be the norm. Now, I'm not saying that every year you're going to get three guys that are top 200 receivers. That's probably not realistic, even for Alabama. Every now and then things just fall through. But at least three out of four years, if you're going to compete for top five to top eight, in the playoffs and preferably top four. And you don't, you're not going to get there without the, like you said, what was it? 45 and 41 were the point totals or whatever. I mean, of the losers. Yeah. I know. Losers in the semifinals. Yeah. So that may have been one of the weirder years for playoffs or whatever. Not really. I mean, but I I know up to this point, but if maybe the defenses, they changed some rules or whatever, but it's still easier just being the shotgun. You could almost just tell a defense. Look, it's we're on the seven yard line here. Your unbelievable top five pick is going to be worthless on this next play because we're throwing a fade ball. 
Right. That's how you beat Georgia in those teams. You're not going to out-recruit Georgia's D-line recruiting. You're not. It is right. insane. You have to win further out. I know Notre Dame fans don't want to hear that, but I go to all these high school camps down there. They have way more guys right as, there. As good as Notre Dame's offensive line is going to be, you're never going to, to bully Georgia. You can run for a buck you can, 50, you but can, you're not going to run for 280. You can, but the point is you can neutralize yeah. them. That's the 100%. best you're going to do. Yep. And so your ability to win or not, to your point, is going to come on the perimeter. Over the top. Eh? And and you have to do both. Because I think the thing that hurt Ohio State last year was is they could win on the perimeter, but they couldn't win and they couldn't neutralize their, Georgia up the middle, which allowed Georgia to get some pressures late in the game. Yes. Their O-line wasn't quite as good run blocking. Of course, they had injuries right. at running back, which ton really, of injuries. Right. Yeah, you know, sometimes, again, that just – it happens. But that's part of college football. That's why you yeah, need to be good just, everywhere. So if you're you are banged up somewhere, because what what allowed Ohio up. State to stay in that game is the fact that they couldn't run the ball effectively. They they couldn't beat them in the trenches. But what could they do? They could make plays on the perimeter. Oh, they killed Georgia and, on the perimeter. And Georgia's got DBs too. It's not like they're lacking right. physical skill on the perimeter. They got five stars at every position. Right. So that's off to Ohio State staff or still finding right. a way. And, uh, they and that's where Notre Dame's got to get to, Brian. And, and again, some of these guys aren't going to be highly ranked guys, but they started off well this year. You got to you got to have it year two. Second point, you have to be able to be strong consistently at the positions that are normal strengths for you. I think that's the next question mark for us as we move into to um, the offensive line recruiting. That's the next area. You already have two kids in the class, Peter Jones and Anthony Knapp. Peter Jones is a right tackle guard. Anthony Knapp, tackle guard, we'll see. Uh, I think the staff is going to give him a shot to play tackle. He's kind of got a body very similar to Jarrett Patterson, except that he's got 34-inch arms, where Jarrett Patterson was like 31-inch arms. That matters when you're talking about a guy with a chance oh, to play tackle. Huge. Huge. Guy, uh, you know, we'll have conversations about that. Right now, the target number, Brian, is three offensive linemen. They'll take a fourth if – number three commitment is not Gearby Lambert. And I think that to me is offensive line recruiting is the one position on offense that I, that I'm a little, I don't want to say concerned, uh, say puzzled is, is a safer, you know, I'm the new coach. I'm still trying to figure out who he likes and who he doesn't like. There's some uncertainty there. You know, does he like Kevin Haywood or not? I don't, I don't love his film. I, I loved Caleb Brewer's film. Joe Rudolph doesn't. I think that's a mistake is what it is. You know, there's Styles Prescott, the kid who's from the Indianapolis area kid. The fact of the matter is, Brian, you mentioned earlier, there's some guys that just can come whenever the heck they want to come. And the reality is that's Gear B. Lambert in the offensive line class. So I'm telling you they want to take three. If they get a third guy, then the O-line board shrinks to one dude, and it's Gear B. Lambert. I mean, they're going to take him in this class if they can get him. He's going to be here for the blue gold game. It's imperative that Notre Dame knock that visit out of the park because he is the difference between this being an okay offensive line class that raises questions about can Joe Rudolph recruit at the level needed to at Notre Dame. And yes, okay, they're going to be just fine. And that's that he is that important to this class because as you as I've mentioned several times before, Brian. I don't think you've had a chance to, to talk about this on the show, so you can either agree or disagree with me here. This is not a great offensive line class nationally. It's not. It's not a very deep class. There's not a lot of pure tackles in this class. There's a lot of interior type of kids. It's not a typical great class of offensive linemen, which even heightens the need for you to get Gearby Lambert because of that and the fact that tackle is still one of the biggest needs you have in this class overall. You need at least one pure tackle in this class, 
and at least two guys that can play tackle. Between Jones and Knapp, one of them can play tackle. It's imperative. He might be the most important. I would actually argue this and say it pretty confidently. There's no offensive player left on the board more important to the success of this offensive hall uh, on top of the kids they already have of the uncommitted kids than Gearby Lambert. Not yeah, receivers. Not, else like exactly. Because the board, like we just talked about receiver, right? Like there's five, six, seven kids. We could talk about Emmett Mosley. There's some other guys they're looking at where it's like, you got to just get two of those guys. And offensive tackle was like, if you don't get Gearby Lambert, I'm not going to love your tackle class unless you can go flip some big time kid that right now is not really giving you much, much time. Like Andrew Sprague went to Michigan was a guy that they looked at. They didn't love him. I didn't love him. He's a big, tough kid that doesn't move real well. There's, It's just not a great offensive line class. If you don't get Gearby Lambert, your future at tackle is looking a little shaky to where, boy, if Jagasaw and Emil Wagner don't pan out, you could be in trouble at offensive tackle. That is Notre Dame cannot be there. They cannot be there. And Gearby Lambert is, is one of the solutions to fixing that problem. In my yeah, opinion. He's that good and that important in both yeah. areas. That's the one position historically and true to this day, because this upcoming year will be as good a one, two punch a tackle as any school has had in the last 25 years. Yeah. And that's saying a lot when you consider the tackle tandems that Notre Dame has had. That's what I mean. In recent it's, years. I mean, Zach, Ro- Zach yeah. Martin and, and Ronnie Stanley, Ronnie Stanley, yeah, they have more and, physical and Mike McGlinchey, Mike McGlinchey and Alex bars, Mike McGlinchey and Robert Hainsey. You know what I mean? Like they've been loaded at tackle. And to say what yep. you just said and me not yeah, to say, hold on a second, dude, hold on. No, I'm not saying that you're nuts for this. They could be that good this just year. The physical skill, the upside of those two is higher than anything they've had. It's just Joe Alt, I think, is the best offensive lineman in the country. But that's Agree. Agree. And Fisher's you could argue Blake Fisher has as high of a ceiling as Joe Alt does. Just got to give him over a year now. From that injury he had against the Knowles, he—I don't know—but he could, because he, what was it? He was reported to be down to 315, 320, something three, like that. He's because he was ten this spring. Yeah, oh, three ten really? this spring. I was yeah. told at one point he was over three fifty. Which looking at him in high school, little, in high yeah, school, when yeah. he was first got coming in, I was like, eh, probably need to get on the treadmill a little bit. He's lost the weight. He's in better shape, and of course his technique's gotten better. Show me something even close to those two at tackle. And you can pick the school. I'll give you the field. Mm-hmm. So Notre Dame should be able to show that to Lambert or whatever player and say, look, I'm not saying you're those guys, but there's a reason they came here to continue this tradition. It's ridiculous what we do at O-line. Why would you not want to join this? Right. It's not a hard pitch. I just did it. For, I mean, it's it's not a hard pitch. The academics are there. The history's there. You're on the verge of going to the playoffs every year. It's not a real hard pitch to sell Notre Dame to an offensive tackle. Because what do kids want to know? Can I go – big time players, can I go there and become an NFL draft pick? I would argue that no team in the country in the last decade has done a better job of producing big-time NFL players than Notre Dame has at left tackle. And I don't care what – you can take D-line for – nobody because every team has had guys that don't hit at every now and then. Sure. Notre Dame's last five, we're a, projecting Joe Walt to be a first-round pick next year, which everyone that I know has him there, barring injury. Your last five left tackles, your last five starting left tackles are going to be the number 16 overall pick, Zach Martin, the number six overall pick in Ronnie Stanley, the number nine overall pick in Mike McGlinchey, 
the number 48 overall pick, second rounder, Liam Eikenberg, and then whatever Joe Walt is about to be. That's your last five starting left tackles. Okay. There's nobody that can 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 have that kind of track record. And it would be under three different coaches. Right? That's the thing is like you have Jeff Quinn and Harry Heastan both contributed to that. Now, Harry Heastan, I think, deserves a lot of credit for the development of Joe Walt. But Joe Walt was pretty good as a true freshman before Harry Heastan got here. And, and Jeff Quinn recruited him. You have to give Jeff Quinn. Look, I, I've had a lot of negative things to say about Jeff Quinn. The fact is, is he did. He's the one that recruited Joe Walt and coached him as a freshman All-American. He deserves credit for that. So you can't just say, well, you only produced that under Harry Heastan. You can't really say that. Now, of course, Harry Heastan was the legend. He was the guy that built this tradition. Yes, he was. You know, which it, it didn't exist in, in the time between when Joe Moore left and when Harry Heastan showed up. Let's be honest about that. They had some Mike Rosenthal's and Luke Pettigutes, but they weren't producing offensive linemen like they did under Joe Moore. Let's be real about that. Harry Heastan started that. But my point is you can you can sell it as, yes, Harry Heastan was the legend, but Jeff Quinn is the guy that recruited Blake Fisher and Joe Walt. And he also recruited, you know, Charles Jack. No, not Charles Jackson. Uh, he, he, Harry Heastan did that. But I'm like some, thinking of some of the other guys that, that they're going to have. You know, you could kind of give him kind of – well, Tommy Reese recruited Billy Shrouth. Like, I mean, that's, that's a whole that, a whole other thing. The point is there's going to be multiple coaches that – if Joe Walt and Blake Fisher are as good as we think they can be, you know, a lot of credit's going to be given to Harry Heastan, but also some to Joe Rudolph, rightfully so. And I think that's the selling point is because the negative recruiting thing that's going to take place, Brian, is, well, yeah, yeah, but that was all Harry Heastan did all that. If Joe Walt's a top 10 pick, which you and I think both agree that he probably will be, then, well, that's not a Harry Heastan guy. Harry would have coached him one of his three years and didn't recruit him. All right, and this isn't a, a, saying anything negative about Harry Heastan. It's just to make the point that you can't negatively recruit that if these two kids pan out, because they will have spent more time under non-Harry Heastan years than they will have under Harry Heastan. And I think that's a, a, an important selling point because you know this, Brian. That's what the right, you if you're at Georgia right now and you're recruiting against Notre Dame for an offensive lineman, is that not what you're saying? Hey, you look all those big time NFL guys. They were all they were all Harry Heastan guys. What have they done other than Harry Heastan? And it's a legitimate selling. It's a legitimate negative recruiting tactic, is it not? So if these two kids pan out, and you can have a pushback, like, hey, look, they, these kids played for three years, and Coach Heastan did a great job, but he only coached them for one year. You know, like that that just wipes that negative recruiting tactic out, in my opinion. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. I think Georgia just tries to sell their program at this point. At least that's what I would do. Okay, pick another school. You get the point that I'm making no, when, when I talk about negative. Georgia's hard to recruit against. Okay, pick another school. But Anybody, see, but my point is that's much. the one position that they can yeah, Georgia is great, but Notre Dame's just as good as any school in the country, Iowa, Alabama, Wisconsin, whatever, at recruiting offensive linemen, producing them to the point where they go into the NFL and they're not just drafted, but they're successful. Uh, was it the 19 season? Three of the top five for all NFL. Stanley, yeah. Martin, and a guy by the name of Nelson were yeah. all pro. Three out of the top five. I don't know if that's ever happened before from one institution. <laughs> that's pretty, pretty yeah. random. So yeah, it it can't be that hard to recruit a line to Notre Dame. And moral of the story, Brian, 
we can run through the names. You know, there's there's guys on the board that are good players. Um, Kevin Haywood's big, strong kid. Styles Prescott is an in-state kid that I like, but he's 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 a bit raw. Needs some work. Grant Bricks is okay. Aiden Lynch is a kid they're looking at. I love uh, I love Bricks. Yeah. I like his athleticism, but I just don't think he's a tackle. That's my problem. Well, no, I would rather. I think he's more Quentin Nelson like. But that's the he point. Play him, I, yeah, I no, just, he can play him right tackle, but he's tackle better like guard. I, I don't, I don't yeah. disagree. Yeah, and he's, that's kind of my man, concern there. Uh, Kevin Haywood to me, big, strong, physical kid, but he's more of a right tackle at this point in time. The reason Gearby is unique is because Gearby's got all the tools to be a left tackle. And I know he played right tackle his first couple of years, but I don't care about that. He's got left tackle tools, and you have to get him. As simple as that. This this class won't be as good as it can be if you don't get Gearby Lambert in this class. I just it just it, it won't be. You have to. You have to. Is there anybody else they would be trying to flip and or you could see them circling back to for whatever reason? If Lambert doesn't work, you know, he gets hurt. He doesn't want he just decides yeah. I mean, doesn't want to go to Notre Dame. You kind of have to. I don't know. Like right now, I don't I don't know that the board looks great for that. I mean, because because the one thing about Coach Eastand is you know, his board for 24 was small. It's always small. That's just the way the coach he stand recruits. And and again, I've said, I don't have a problem with that. You know, I, I don't, I think you've kind of burned the bridge a little bit with Caleb Brewer and they didn't view him as a tackle. I, I mean, Ian Moore's an in-state kid, but I think he's all Ohio state right now. And he's a guard in my opinion, in Notre Dame. Yeah, he's not, he's I think not he play right tackle at Ohio state. Cause that's a different type of offensive run scheme and different system, but at Notre Dame, he's a guard. And I don't say that as an insult because the greatest lineman Notre Dame's had the last 20 years is a guard. Uh, you know, I just, I don't, you know, Andrew Sprague, I don't, I wouldn't try to, I mean, I'm fine, whatever. You know, I mean, I, I'm just, it's not a great year. That's the problem. I mean, Brandon Baker from, from modern days, a oh, stud, yes. but you're yeah. not going to get that kid. You know, I mean, you're, you're just, you're just not going to get him. So I don't, that's the, that's the reason that makes gear be so important, O'Brien, because it's not a loaded year where you can just, eh, it's fine. If we don't get him, we get some other guy. There's not a lot of guys like him in this year's class. Like last year, there were so many good tackles in last year's class, Brian. I mean, just, Isn't it wild how it goes? Oh, <laughs> it really is. It was just a wild. really good tackle year in college football, or I mean, high school football. Well, which one of these guys would you say, if you take Gearby out of it, would be next in line? Was it Would it be the kid from Fishers, Prescott? or I- For me, it would. Yeah. Now he's now, very raw. I know that. Yes. He's long as hell. He is. Now, some people might say Kevin Haywood, who's who I believe is ranked a little bit higher. I, I'm not a I, I like Kevin Haywood. I'm just not I'm just not sure I see the upside with him. I think he's one of those high school kids that that's just kind of bigger and stronger than everybody else. He's played at like three different high schools. I don't know why. It's just always kind of a weird thing for me. But when I when I look at the kid at, at Prescott Ryan, I think Prescott needs some work. I think he's raw. You know, we were talking earlier about the kid from uh, the kid from Warner Robbins. You know that kid's going to be coached, right? Styles Prescott's a kid that's going to need a lot of coaching, but he's got the tools. I mean, he's a big kid. I think he moves pretty well. His technique is, let's just say, leaves a lot to be desired. But I think he's got all the other tools that you want. You know, he's strong. He's athletic. He's long. Just needs to be coached. And for me, I don't care if an offensive lineman needs to be coached. That's what offensive line coaches are paid six, seven figures to do. Right. And this is the kind of kid, and this is why I think Coach Eastan liked them. You know, Coach Eastan brought him on campus, sized him up perfectly, and or sized him up. And as soon as he realized that the kid had the because that's the thing about Coach Eastan, he likes to see you face to face before he gives you an offer. 
He wants to see what your arm length is like. He wants to read your demeanor. He wants to talk to you face-to-face and find out if you have what it takes to be a Notre Dame offensive lineman. He valued what a Notre Dame offer meant. You know what I mean? And, and so when you got when it meant something. So when Styles visited in the, in, in the, in the winter and, and Coach Eastan met him face-to-face and immediately offered, that said something to me, right? And, Brian, it's like you and I have known each other, gosh, it's been 20 years now, right? And I remember you and I talking about Zach Martin. Remember how much we used to go crazy when Notre Dame was not pushing for him? They wanted Michael Schofield over Zach Martin. And the thing that you and I talked about time is like, look, this is Kirk Ferentz's number one offensive lineman on the board. And if Kirk Ferentz has him as number one offensive line on the board, I don't need to know anything else, right? And that's the thing is is if Harry Heastan says, I like this kid, I'm going to somewhat give him the benefit of the doubt and realize that there's some tools there. And that's what I like about Styles. He's going to need work. He's raw, all that good stuff. But at least he has the tools to eventually be that guy. Who could potentially be a left tackle, Brian? I mean, will he be a left tackle? I don't know. He needs work, but he's got the tools to be so. And honestly, Brian, if it if it's a perfect world for me, I'd love to see Styles commit like soon, and then Notre Dame's going to still keep recruiting Gearby, and then bring in Gearby, and and make it that four man class. That would be a sort of a perfect world scenario for me because I, I do like Styles' upside. I, I do. I think he's got size, athleticism, strength. Just needs to be coached. That's really what it boils down. And if he can't play tackle, you could slide him inside. I mean, you know what I mean. He could, he's a tough enough kid to play guard. And that's an important part, too. I'm never against taking athletic offensive tackles. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. I mean, he's, he's, he's very raw. But watching him move also tells you that he's a kid that's either played soccer or basketball or track, done something because he moves well laterally, yeah. at least in my opinion, and does so better than many of the other tackles that we talked yeah. about today and on other shows. It's and he can bend. That's the thing. Too. You watch him here, Brian. He's a knee bender, and that's important. That's yep. very important. He can get down against those guys that try to dip underneath him and get around the corner. He can get mm-hmm. down to them, and yep. some guys can't do that. So. so those two kids, to me, would be would be the top two on my board, if you're asking me. It'd be Gearby and Styles for my board, because I'm someone who covets upside. Brian, because Gearby Lambert's a pretty raw kid too. He's not a he's not a Charles Jagasol type that you know could be big and strong and powerful enough on day one to play. He's not that. He's more he's more projectable. He's more Mike McGlinchy than he is Ronnie Stanley. Mike McGlinchy needed two full years of development before he was ready to play. Ronnie Stanley needed development, but he could do it in, in a year. He was ready in a year to play. Uh, Gearby's going to need to get bigger and stronger and some of those kind of things. And, um, but the talent, I mean, he's got immense talent, immense talent. And, th- and that's the thing is like, you're going to need at least one of those guys to be able to come in and buy their red shirt freshman year, be ready to play. Ideally, that's the ideal situation. So you asked me what would be my ideal scenario on the offensive line. It's Gearby and Styles Prescott. That's what it would be for me. I have no disagreement with it. I, I was just curious if there was a backdoor. Plus, there's always like a late bloomer. O-line is famous for that. So you never know. Could be like, I wasn't talking to you about Joe Alt very early in the process during his senior year. Because he played tight end. Right. I remember right his junior year of high school. Nobody did. They just, they, you just what, we think he might be good. That was Yeah, well, like, I gave him a four and a half star upside grade. And he's outplayed that. But the thing is, his, 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 his current grade at the time was three and a half stars. Because you're like, 
I think he could be really good, but he's a 260-pound tight end right now. You know, you, you don't know. These kids don't have that same phys- don't have that same need for physical physical projection, uh, but the tools are there. So that's where we're at the offensive line. The next two positions I want to discuss, Brian. I want to talk about running back and tight end, and we're going to kind of talk about them together because there's some guys on the board, but it's a unique situation for Notre Dame because in all reality, outside of two receivers and one to two offensive linemen, they've met all their other needs on on the offensive side of the ball. They don't need a second tight end in this class. They don't need a second running back right now in this class. I think they want a second running back, and I think they're still trying to determine if they're going to take a second tight end right now, to be completely honest with you. And so when I look at it, I see running back as it's a two-man deal right now. It's Kedron Young from Texas and Anthony Carey from Florida. They want those two kids because of how good they are. They're not necessarily needs. And, and I think it's smart to keep an eye on a second back because – it's not out of the line. It's not out of question, Brian, to see both of Notre Dame's top two backs go pro next year. It's not out of it's not out of question at all to, to say that they could both end up going pro. And you're going to need that back, that second back then. So I think that's why they're looking at it. But it, it's still, as of right now, not a need. But they're recruiting Kedron Young and they're recruiting Anthony Carey because they're just really good football players that seem to be, according to the staff, really good fits right now. And I think that's the reason that you're seeing them push for those two kids. And Kedron, I was just DMing with him the other day. Uh, He plans on being on – he's going to be on campus for an official in June. He was going to try to get up for in the spring, but just, you know, couldn't work out. But he's going to be up. Anthony Carey is going to be up again for a visit. So these are this is that's the running back board right now. If they don't get one of those two guys, in my opinion, barring some breakout year, some some kid that's a stud that they can get on that wants to come later, that's the board because it's not a need, it's a want. And those two kids really fit what they're looking for. It's kind of interesting too because Kedron really reminds me a lot of Audric Estime, and Anthony Carey reminds me a lot of Logan Diggs. So it is kind of interesting that that one-two punch is is uh, the way that it is. We're gonna we're gonna bring up some uh, some of their film here while we're talking about them too as well, Brian. So what are your thoughts on these two guys, Brian? I know you've had a chance to watch them both play. Well, I know Anthony Carey personally, but Kedron Young is one of my favorite players, not only in at the running back position, yeah. but nationally. And this was before I I know Notre Dame had offered, but I, before I even knew they had any remote chance. I've always been a big fan of the big running back. And he has the hips down to the knees, that area, just is sheer muscle, and there's a lot of it. He breaks through tackles that makes me think of like Rodney Culver, makes me think of Julius Jones, different guys that when they laid their pads down, you were making a business decision on whether or not you wanted to make that tackle. And I'm not saying he's Jerome Bettis. There's only one of those. But he is a thumper. And he's got a good first move, too. If a guy breaks into the backfield, Kedron Young can make a miss. And he's 215 at the at the least. He's probably 220 or more. And Look at that man, thick lower half, Brian. I mean, that's, oh, a, that's a powerful kid right there. And he's, by the way, for uh, people that don't know, where he's from, Lufkin, Texas, is East Texas. This is where, like when the Aggies were good in the late 80s, early 90s, they made a living, et cetera. You will not get tougher kids than East Texas kids. It is godforsaken, rose fields, uh, ranches dry. There is nothing going on there. Kids are trying to get out. 
if you get kids from there, you're going to get kids are going to give you their all. So that that's a nice little added bonus too. Um, Notre Dame does not do very well in East Texas. Only a handful, Ronnie Nix, uh, Bobby Taylor, a few others, but by and large, you're going to get thumpers and guys that'll give everything. So well, we're still trying to learn more about his family, but what I know so far, especially with his mom, it's, it's, you're, you're going to understand why he's looking at Notre Dame. The more you get to know his family, it makes, starts to make sense to you. Is his mom similar to a certain mom that was in the two eleven class with a defensive tackle from Georgia? Is she in that line? Yes. Yes. Like a lot of the kids that they've gotten recently, the Benjamin Morrison families, the, 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 the Braylon James's types that just understand, yes, my son is a great football player, but my son brings a whole lot more value than just a football player. Right. And that's the type that you're looking for. Uh, understand that, Hey, what if football doesn't work out? Right. The parents that get that, that understand it's, yep. I'm not just raising a, a running back. I'm raising a young man. Right. You get that vibe from them. And again, this is early in us getting to know them and, and what we've been able to learn about them. But that's something that you get to. And you're like, OK, that's the kind of kid that will come to Notre Dame and thrive because he understands there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more to it than that. So uh, he, he's a he's a really talented player, Brian. And, and, and you see the power there. You see. But the thing I love about powers, power can be overrated in high school, because I think what happens is power causes people to overrate a lot of kids and and has a chance to. Um, you know, it's like offensive line. Well, why, why do they miss on certain kids? Well, they miss on kids because they just saw this kid dominating people in high school and they ignored the fact he doesn't have good feet. He's got tight hips and all this other kind of stuff. And you see that at running back as well. You'll see these kids that are just like, you remember the kid out of Virginia went to Michigan a few years ago. He was that way. The green, the running back green, he just was bigger than everybody else. But you watch a player like this kid's not a very good running back. And, he was one and by everybody. Whoa. Yes. But then you watch a kid like Kedron Young, you're like, he's not dominant because he's powerful. He's dominant because he has great feet, great vision, great feel for the game. Oh, and by the way, he also happens to be powerful. And I think that's the thing that I liked about him. Here's Anthony Carey as we're watching him now. He's another kid, Brian, too, that I think uh, for whatever reason, a lot of the Southern schools aren't pushing as hard for him. Which I'm, I'm not upset about. And you look at his top six list. He's got a final group of six. Notre Dame's not the only Northern school on there, which is a good sign because it tells me that this is a kid that's thinking more big picture than what a lot of Florida kids think, which is I'm fine leaving the South if it means I'm going to go somewhere uh, and, and have a chance to play. Like I know Michigan State, for example, is on his list. He was just recently visited Michigan State. So I think this is another kid that, that has the talent to say, yeah, we may not need a second back, but I'll take one because this kid can really play. I know Anthony well, and if there's one thing about him is he's very determined. Anything and everything he does, he goes all out. He could play nickel. He could play safety. He could probably convert to receiver at some point. His primary position is running back. When when they play seven-on-seven seven with him, they put him at middle linebacker, and he covers slots. Mm-hmm. He's just a great football player. So he's not as powerful as Young, but he's built completely different. He's a buck 90 to – 185, something like that, his junior year. The other day he put up a post. He was 199 and something or other. He, he's put on about 10 pounds. He's pushing that 200 mark. When you see the lower body, too, he's another kid, Brian, that has that really good size lower body. So he's he's putting he's adding weight up, up top, you know, getting more kind of grown man strong. But you see that lower body, the feet, and then that the, the just the size of his lower body. This is a kid that's good. They're both every down backs. 
and that's the thing is they're they're both guys that bring a, a different element to the table than what Aeneas Williams and Jeremiah Love bring to the table. And that's that's what a, a backfield's no different than running back or receiver, O'Brien. You need guys with with uh, you need a little bit of diversity to what you do. You can't just keep. I mean, I, I mean, you can if you you know if you're if you're Alabama and, you, and, and you're just so much better everywhere than everybody else back in the early 2010s. But most teams need, and Georgia's been great with this too. Georgia's got a very diverse, especially their good backfields, have been very diverse. I mean, you think of the 2017 backfield, which is one of the best backfields we've seen in the last decade. You know, Sonny Michelle was different than Nick Chubb, and both of those guys were different than DeAndre Swift. You know, you, you have different skill sets. So what could what could Georgia do? They could get two or three of those guys in the field at the same time. I mean, the only long run Georgia had against Notre Dame in 2017 when they played was a jet sweep handoff to DeAndre Swift. Not a not a designed handoff to anybody. And I think that's something that you look at too is is that unique skill set. These kids, two kids, bring a little something to the table different than the younger kids on the roster. Because it, it doesn't matter they compare to Audric and, and Logan because they're not going to play with those guys very long, if at all. I mean, I don't know if these kids are ever going to play with Audric Estime, to be honest with you. I would doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Logan for a year, but that's it. Right. And yeah. and so it's about building a, it's about building a backfield that has different skill sets. And if if in a couple of years your backfield at Notre Dame is Jadarian Price, Jabron Payne, Jeremiah Love, Aeneas Williams, and one of these two kids, you have at least three different skill sets in that group of five. And that's really where you want to be. Anthony Carey can fit in in a lot of ways. Your comparison that you did earlier to Diggs holds some water. Diggs was a slightly bigger, he was about 205 at this point instead of 200. But everything else is pretty much spot on. Mm-hmm. So I think Carey's a better player laterally. Um, but they'll both lower the pads. Both of them can catch. So first and ten, third and eight. If you can play on both downs as a running back, you present great value to whichever school you play for. Anthony Carey can do that. So that, that's one of the reasons he's gotten a gazillion offers. A little note, uh, I spoke with Anthony a few weeks ago via message, and he'd put up his top six or whatever the heck it was that Notre Dame was in, and there was no Florida school in it, mm-hmm. which for a kid that had Florida offers, and he, he just thought the other schools did a better job of recruiting him. So Notre Dame traditionally does better in the state of Florida when they're not going against Florida, Florida State, or Miami. It's just- and Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't know. If you'd asked me two, three months ago, I'd have said Florida's where he's going to go. They're not even his top six. So either I was just way off or something went way off, whatever. But, you know, Notre Dame's in a much better spot than I thought for Anthony Carey. I have a feeling when you launch your Florida Georgia show, you're going to have a topic one day this summer that's going to evaluate the recruiting being done by Billy Napier and his staff. Because it's a <laughs> it little is weird. weird. Oh man, it, I, that's the only way to that's the only way to describe it, Brian. It's just some of the, weird. Some of the stuff I have, I can't air. Just mm-hmm. can't. But right. it's stuff that you can't make up. Right. It's just utterly ridiculous, and it's not necessarily all Billy. Some of it's the idiot brigade that were involved with Rashada. Right. I, deep details on that, but there are other things too on visits. That school I've been told a plus to F minus. Yes. On visits. Yes. It is bizarre. If you're Florida and I've been to that campus numerous times, been to games, all that kind of stuff. It's not very hard. 
Yeah. It is not very hard. I've been to Gainesville. I've been in the swamp. Yes, you're absolutely right, Brian. That should not be a hard place to recruit to. It, it Look, that be. is a top five college football job, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, their 24 class is off to a pretty good start. I mean, it, they got it really the, is. They got the Lagaway kid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they've, they've got two really good linebackers in the class already, although I still think Adarius Hayes ends up as an edge. Uh, oh, he does, does too. Right. Now, they've <laughs> they've been helped in similar ways that Notre Dame has been helped in, in the past, too, that, you know, You'd have had to really screw up the the, the Miles Miles Graham recruitment not to get him. You'd, you'd had to screw that one up, you know. And they, I heard they almost did. They still got him right. Well, they um, they need linebacker help too. So right. That was important. Right. So I mean, they're off to a good start. It's just it's just it's just weird. But these are the two running backs on the board. Tight ends also interesting, Brian, because they had Jaden Riddell on campus, uh, and Notre Dame was was is doing really well in his recruitment. Same with Carter Nelson. My thing is though. At this point in time, Brian, is I don't know if they're set yet to definitely take a second tight end right now. I I think because they're looking at their current depth chart and they're saying, like, all the guys we have now are, are coming back. You're, you're talking about Mitchell Levin still has two years of eligibility left. You've got uh, – I mean, Kevin Bauman, I don't necessarily count as that. You've got Eli Raritan. You've got Holden Stace. You've got Cooper Flanagan. You've already got Jack Larson committed in your class. I think that Notre Dame is always going to be tight end heavy, but I think that they're trying to reevaluate just just uh, how many scholarships they want the tight end position to have moving forward. And there's been years where they've had like six. I think this staff is saying we're good enough to, at this tight end that we don't need a sixth t- scholarship tight end, you know, and you've got David Sherwood on scholarship yeah. to where, Hey, let's bring an extra receiver in. Let's bring in an extra yeah. running back. Let's bring let's in an extra in lineman. Let's right. Sure. And to where, and now you look at like, okay, we'd love Jaden Riddell. We love Carter Nelson, but is that really the best use of our scholarships? And then the second part of this too, Ryan is as they're getting into the 25 recruiting as well, they're realizing the 25 tight end class so far seems loaded. And there's a lot of 25 tight ends that are very high on Notre Dame. You've got the Roberts kid from Oklahoma. You've got Ryan G's already made two trips to Notre Dame. The uh, James Flanagan, who's the son of Jim Flanagan, Wisconsin, who's a Notre Dame legacy. Doesn't mean that they're going to definitely get him, but they're in the, the game for that. There's, there's a lot of tight ends that have already been offered in that class. And, and when you've had the success Notre Dame has had, it doesn't matter where these kids are from. They're looking at Notre Dame because of the position. And I think that's the other thing too, is, Hey, let's space out our numbers a little bit. We got two in the 22 class. We got one. We really like in 23, we got one in 24. And here's the other thing. Flanagan and Larson are two completely different type of players, which helps them because it's not like they're missing a skill set because of the last two class. They got the blocker traditional guy and Cooper Flanagan. They've got the, the sort of the wing move around slot guy that can also play attached and Jack Larson. They got both of those in the 22 class or the, uh, the 21 class with um, Raritan and no, the 22 class with Raritan and Stace. So you look at your four moving forward and you got two traditional types and two guys you can move around, but they can all do a little bit of everything. They feel pretty good about where they are at tight end right now. Plus you've got David Sherwood, who's sort of an H back fullback type of tight end. So I think I, I wouldn't be shocked if Notre Dame at some point in time is like, you know what, we like these kids, but we we'd rather save that extra spot for a sixth defensive lineman, a fifth DB, a fourth receiver, a second back, because the reality is they're not going to they're going to have a tough time getting up to 25 and 26 this year. Brian, that's just with what they have on their roster because of how many kids they brought in the last two years. 
Notre Dame's going to be in a tough spot when it comes to numbers. So you've got to, they, you know, they'd like two tight ends. They'd like two running backs. They'd like four receivers, but you can't bring in all of those numbers at those positions. You have to make a cut somewhere. And I could see tight end being a position where Notre Dame says, you know, we like these kids a lot, but we, we just feel that this extra scholarship needs to be used somewhere else. 22 to 24, better, better guess. 20 and, and right now, probably closer to 22. Uh, as because yeah, they want to load up five again, there's gonna right, right, and you, you could say the in, scholarship for the next class, like you were talking exactly. Because twenty five, exactly. for people who don't know, is considered by everybody I know and us two in particular to be better than twenty four. So if bottom. you're gonna, yeah, if you're gonna shoot it out, better to shoot it out in the class right. than as the top end top. Right, and that's where they're at. Because if you bring in two this year. And and you look at next year, then now you're talking about having six scholarship tight ends. When when you know when you when you get like it, there's going to be two years where you're going to have six scholarship tight ends if you don't lose somebody. And I don't know if that's necessarily where um, where I that's think that's probably hyperbole. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's too much. So yeah, unless it's a special special situation, I would hold the scholarship. Yeah, agree, agree. So that's kind of where we're at with the offensive recruiting, Brian. I, I think that right now it comes down to they got six guys already. They're and they've got probably the two best guys they're going to get in this class are already on board. What are you going to fin- what are you going to add with it? What are you going to combine to it? I think those are the questions. And so somebody did bring up something about tight end. Is is well, actually you know what? we're going to start that and talk about that in the in the mailbag because we are going to have a mailbag next. And so if you have some questions for the mailbag, get those in now. But I think the thing for me, Brian, is it's it's defense. It's it's a much bigger question mark, and we'll talk about defense next week. Offensively, they're in a great place, and this current staff inherited a very good situation from the Tommy Reese, you know, his, his group and Harry Heastan. Because you already had Peter Jones, you had Cam Williams, you had C.J. Carr, you have Aeneas. So the the and of course a lot of that is the current staff. I mean, Jared Parker brought in Jack Larson, Dylan McCullough brought. You get what I'm saying? The new look staff is in a great situation because they, they did inherit CJ Carr and Cam Williams and, and the, and the group that they have now it's about, okay, close it out. Well, and we're going to find out if they can. And we talked about it and, and closing it out is getting me two of those receivers and Gearby Lambert, literally Brian, if all they get in the rest of this offensive class, if all they land from here until signing day is Gearby Lambert and two of those receivers we mentioned, this is a needle moving gap, closing offensive class. I mean that's how, and any, anything beyond that is just okay. That that's that's icing on the cake, right? Give me a second running back. That's just I, now I'm just getting now I'm just being silly. Now I'm just you know just just piling up the talent. Give me a fourth offensive lineman. Nay, now I'm just now I'm just you know I'm just adding to what beyond what we needed. So I think that's really where it's at. Two of the receivers and Gearby Lambert. Give me that. This is an outstanding nine because last year's offensive class was huge. That's the thing people forget. I mean, it was a – you had a quarterback, running back, four receivers, a tight end, and, and five offensive linemen. You had 12 kids you signed last year's class. You can't do that two years in a row. You need to maybe load up a little bit on some of the defensive positions this year. And so I think that's where they're at. So if they're going to get up to 11 and 12 this year, it's going to be because they've added some dudes on the back end of it. And that's where I think Notre Dame is right now. So I think 9 to 10 – Top it out at 11 is really where I think they're going to go on offense in this class. So they're actually close. And that's why Notre Dame, Brian, at the end of the day, they have to be smart about taking early commitments. You can't take an early commitment from a kid that's just telling you, I'm going to take visits. You just can't do it anymore. But 
them loading up early is important because now they've got those dudes in the class. Now they can narrow their focus and have more coaches going after a smaller group of players because that's how you get Kedron Young out of Texas. That's how you get Anthony Carey out of Florida. That's how you get Jason Robinson out of California. You talk, you, we just we got an interview on Jason now. He's talking to Parker. He's talking to, I mean, on top of stuck. He's talking to Parker. He's talking to Chad. He's talking to Freeman. You got the whole staff going after him. Why? Because Gino doesn't have to recruit a quarterback in 2024. So Gino can help with other positions, right? You know, you look at, uh, you look at Chancey Stuckey, he's got to do his thing, but like Jared Parker's got his tight end for this year's class and they know what their board is for next year. So you're in a situation where once the board gets smaller and you can put more attention on a smaller group of players, that's how Notre Dame's going to be able to close. Now they just need to do it. And that's going to be the key. Cause it's a, as we said, it's an important year. You're off to a great start. The difference between this being a truly gap-closing class or a class that simply just makes you better, and there's a difference, is going to be how they finish. No argument. It's straight up the way it is. They, they, they sh- to be honest, they should be able to do that. Yes. Amber, okay. like you, is the only – when you talk about this one player, you never know how one recruitment's going to go. Yeah. So that is the wild card. It's just going to have to play out. They could end up in a year or two, maybe they end up getting a transfer or something. You never know. If something happens to one of the other young tackles, gets hurt or something, they might have to. Mm-hmm. They don't get Lambert. That's just part of college football. That's where Notre Dame's at along with everybody else. So you cross that bridge when you get there. That's right. So that's going to do it for this portion of the show, Brian. We're going to be we're going to have the mailbag coming up next. Before we do, I want to ask you all to hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. If you have not done so, if you like listening to Lucky Lefty via the, the, the podcast app, if you like listening to the CFB All-America team, We've got some more things coming on. Brian is going to have a show here that we're going to launch over the next couple months at some point in time where he's going to cover Florida and Georgia recruiting as part of the CFB Nation app as well. Sometimes it'll include Notre Dame top targets, obviously, but more so just covering high school football and high school recruiting in the state of Georgia or college recruiting in the state of Georgia and Florida because Brian obviously lives in Florida right now, but he's he just scours those states. I, I, when was the last time I talked to you and you were actually at home? Brian, I, I can't remember the last time that that was. What well, today uh, is about? And it. I'm like, what state are you in? Oh, you're, oh, you're in Texas. Oh, okay, sure, great. Not sure why, but hey, it's good to hear it. But he's going to have a show on there. You need to subscribe to the CFB Nation app. Over these next couple months, we're going to start transitioning. Lucky Lefty, CFB All America, uh, our recruiting shows, the Rise and Draft. I'm going to have a show that I'm going to launch it on CFB Nation at some point in time. That's going to talk about college football as a whole. Uh, we're, we're hoping I met with Sean Davis today. We're going to have, we're going to mention you have shows that cover the power five conferences. We have a couple other ideas on things, but that's all going to be available on the CFB nation YouTube channel and the CFB nation podcast. So if you haven't signed up yet for those shows, please do so uh, because we are going to start transitioning to where you can only find those shows on the CFB nation platform. So you can find whether Apple podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to, your podcast, the IB podcast, you can also find CFB Nation. So make sure that you have gone there and subscribe to those shows today.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.